Don't go yellow. I think he was here during first service and he's like, I already heard this one. <laughs> it's all right. I understand, you know. <laughs> I've mentioned this before, but uh, now that Jess is here, I can have this conversation with him in the room. <laughs> uh, when I first came to the U.S., um, I was introduced to wrestling. And uh, I don't know if, if there are any actual wrestlers in the room, you know, like, like in high school or college, uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. No, the, the wrestling I was introduced to was the uh, WWF at the time, I think, uh, World Wrestling Federation. And it would have these uh, guys jumping off ropes. Y'all, anybody? Anybody watch that? Hulk Hogan? Come on. No, no Hulk Hogan fans out there? What you gonna do? Uh, okay, no Hulkamaniacs? Okay, I got a Hulkamaniac over there. So m- we used to watch this wrestling thing where... Um, well, of course, we were kids. We thought, oh, this is real. They would, you know, jump around the, the, and it would bounce. And, and then it got weird. They would hit each other with chairs. It got a little weird. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, my favorite was uh, Jimmy the Superfly Schnooker. And um, he, uh, okay, nobody, no one else? Okay. He had, uh, he had long hair, and he would get on the top rope, and he would jump, and he'd go flying, and just, just love that. Um, and if you watch wrestling, if you watch wrestling during that time, during the innocent years of the WWF, um, the way the wrestling match would end is uh, one uh, wrestler would grab the other one and pin them to the ground. You, you remember? And would usually put up a leg. Yeah, some of you would put up a leg, and then the referee would get there and try to count one, two, three, right? Count to three, uh, and, and the wrestler would lift their back like this. Oh, there's still room, there's still room. And they would wrestle on. It was, you know, of course, entertainment. That's the kind of wrestling I used to watch. Lo and behold, as just a kid, later in life, I was reintroduced when it's become a much more popular um, sport. But, but now, rather than just wrestling, although the WWE or SmackDown, I don't know what it's called, that's exist, but no one thinks of that as real wrestling. It's just entertainment. Now, wrestlers or grapplers are doing something different. It's, it's the, um, what do we call it, Jesse? Jiu-jitsu, yes, grappling, and, and it's called mixed, mixed martial arts. And the real wrestling or the fighting happens in the octagon, the cage. They call it ultimate fighting Championships, awesome you are, shamely. Uh, anyway, um, the point is, the point is, what I found fascinating about this new sort of more um, aggressive form of wrestling is that you don't get pinned to the ground and count one, two, three. No, you either get knocked out or you have to submit. And I discovered, I'm not a big fan um, because uh, wrestling. Like, makes your ears hot, and I can't stand that. So just uh, so you know, pet peeve, don't hug my ears. I can't stand that. Um, but wrestling, uh, in this new form, the way they do it, they have these things called submission moves. An, an arm bar, does anybody know an arm bar? Justin knows an arm bar, yeah? Uh, you grab somebody a certain way. Okay, we've got a wrestling fan of that. Grab somebody a certain way, and it hurts so bad that people tap out, right? Hence the phrase or the expression tapping out. And when you tap, you're saying, okay, I I submit. I give up. So if they get your leg in a certain way, they used to be the old good old figure four in WWF, and they don't do that anymore. Remember that? Felt figure four? Okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but now they, they grab your arm, they contort your, your neck or your leg a certain way, and it hurts so bad, you, you submit. You give up. You tap out. So they don't, if, and if you don't tap out, you're going to get 
broke, broken. You're going to get broken. So we submit. And um, a certain female wrestler became famous for that one single move, an arm bar, right? Uh, she doesn't wrestle anymore. Ronda Rousey, but she, you know, she has this, this major uh, fame because she had one submission move, an arm bar, and she did it in all her matches. Uh, submission. So there's this idea that submission is a way that you overcome somebody else, a way you defeat somebody. Anybody in here into submission? Okay, maybe you're into mixed martial arts. Hey, there's just some jiu-jitsu out there, some grapplers, some wrestlers. Maybe you've practiced that, uh, maybe you've been taught. Uh, but most of us really don't think ourselves that we're into submission. However, however, I'm going to propose to you today that maybe we should be into submission. Just not that kind. Would you please open your Bibles, the book of Ephesians? Yes, uh, for those of you that have been journeying with us, we are still in Ephesians. Amen, anybody? Amen? Amen. Okay. Ephesians is a fantastic book, and today we're going to be looking at submission in Ephesians. So if you please open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. I'm going to warn you, it's going to get hot in here, uh, but you'll survive. You'll be all right. Uh, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, uh, that the Apostle Paul is trying to introduce into our concept, into our mind, the idea of submission. But it may come as a shock, so just hang in there. Uh, I strongly urge you to look at your own Bible so you make sure that we're not misreading it. So Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22. You ready? If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay, here we go. So follow along with me. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Now wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Okay, some sheepish amens over there. I was waiting. I even gave you a little urn of if anybody was going to fall for it. And the guys were like, amen. 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 <laughs> From the side. <laughs> that Right off the bat, let's just put this out in the open. This is an uncomfortable text. Amen? Amen. It's an uncomfortable text given our current context and the time and history with which we live. Certainly there were some men, there probably are some men in the congregation who were like, yes, I came on the right day. Uh, just wait. Um, we'll see about that. Okay. But the Bible says here, Paul introduces this concept. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body. He introduces this concept of submission that makes us shudder. We don't like that. See, in our understanding of submission, as I just described, the concept of submission is, 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 is understood as someone overpowering someone else to the point that they submit. Right? You bend that arm far enough until somebody taps out. I mentioned during first service, I learned this the hard way when I was a kid. When I first came to the U.S. and, and people at school, at church actually, at the... Uh, at the, at the Spanish church, just so you know, who said to me, you want to play a game? I said, sure. They said, give me your hands. And then we would lock hands like this, and then they would bend my knuckles over like this, and I would go, ah, what are you doing? This isn't a game. <laughs> the struggle is real. And they would say, say mercy, say mercy, and I'm oh, mercy, and then they would let me go. And I'd be like, what does that prove? Uh, what, is that? What, what kind of game is this? <laughs> These Americans, they're funny. You know, <laughs> That's what I used to think. I was saying, I was like, is this what you have to do? But to, to be honest, I grew up here since, since I was about 10 or 11, and I've discovered that in our culture and in our way of life, that concept of that idea is very prevalent. In fact, we value, cherish, and encourage people to succeed by winning over others. 
Maybe we don't submit them this way or with an arm bar, but we celebrate those that can bend the will of others. We celebrate those that can defeat others because we are a nation that loves champions. And for every champion, for every winner, there has to be a loser, right? You know, you probably heard it said, there's no second place. There's only first place here. We, all we care is about winners. Anybody remember? Does anybody remember who came in second? Who lost the uh, Super Bowl? You probably do. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't even care about football anymore. Chargers? Who? Whatever. Uh, but, but we certainly value those who win. In fact, we build this in to our understanding of society. Think about it. In almost every transaction that you make at work uh, or at school, you are trying to win a selection. At work, you make a proposal to try to win acceptance over someone else's proposal. When you're purchasing a house, you put in a bid to secure that you win that house versus someone else's bid. And we, we build this into our construct and our concept even at a young age. Uh, I was mentioned during first service, I learned early on that in order for me to be successful, in order to make my parents proud, I had to work really hard to get myself into the elite reading group in my eighth grade, seventh grade class. I had, to, I had to differentiate myself from the pack by trying to get into the elite circles. But there was only so many spaces, right? And only the best can make it there. But when those that make it, it means some that don't. And, and over the course of time, you realize early on here, and it's repeated over and over through our culture, that it's important for us to win. And sometimes we do all kinds of things in order to win. Even bend the will of others and bring others into submission. Life's competitive, right? Life is competitive. We want our kids to compete. We want our kids to win because we want to teach them that this is the way the life is. It's competitive. And you have to be willing to do what others aren't willing to do. It's in our advertising. It's in our social culture. It's everywhere. So I think that when we hear the word submission here, especially in this context, it doesn't seem right. It seems at odds. It seems out of place uh, that Paul will be talking about submitting, especially for the women in our congregation. The wives, submit to your husbands. It sounds so archaic. And, and the minute I say it there, it puts us at odds with all the millennial generations. Somebody say amen. And Generation Z, who they're looking at me like, mm -mm, that's not going to fly with me. In our current context, when we read these words from Scripture, it makes us feel outdated. And that's why the people outside church say, you guys, this is a fairy tale you're reading. This is not real anymore. It's outdated. It's old world. It does no longer apply. But I think that if we look closer, we might be surprised that Paul, in fact, has this counsel for today for you and me in our world and it's needed now more than ever so look first right there wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord it's fascinating because uh, you've probably heard this uh, nod your head if you've heard a sermon on this text before just go ahead nod your head say eh, get the kinks out I don't want you to fall asleep nod your head okay if you haven't then I expect you to be bright eyed oh I've never heard this <laughs> Especially, you know, if you think it's in your favor, you're like, oh, wow, I never, I'm going to quote this more often. I should read my Bible. Amen to that. 
But you've probably heard this. You've probably heard it during a, uh, a wedding, most likely. A, a preacher expounding on this particular passage of Scripture, Ephesians 5. You may have heard it at some point or some journey. Uh, maybe, you know, some well-meaning adult was trying to give you counsel. And they, they, they led you here when you were struggling your marriage. Uh, but it's fascinating that we find it here because if you've been with us and as we've been studying Ephesians, it's, it's kind of oddly out of place. If you've been with us the last few weeks, uh, we've been uh, uncovering uh, nuggets of gold, is what I call them, gold nuggets, uncovering nuggets of gold, of wisdom in the book of Ephesians. And I'm convinced, I'm going to repeat it over until you, you, you can't shake the idea, I'm going to repeat it over and over. I'm convinced that Ephesians is a follow-up to the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, the gospel writer helps us to understand that Jesus Christ came and sacrificed and suffered and was a servant and was willing to go to great lengths in order to pay for our past, for our mistakes. And he suffered and he died, but he resurrected. But now in Ephesians, Paul tells us that because Jesus resurrected, not only has he paid for our past, but he has also prepaid for our future. And by prepay, I mean laying the way, paving the way so that we can have a new life. Ephesians is written so that you and I understand what that looks like. So we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, but now what? And for the last four chapters, he's been waxing very poetic and, and, and having beautiful thoughts about the love of God, the, how high and deep and long and wide. And he's been saying that if we could capture that, then we would understand that there is one God, one spirit. Remember that? One God, one spirit, one Father, one Lord, one all these beautiful things. Even as he begins to be more specific, he says, so the way this should affect us is that we should be a community that is bathed in mercy. Remember that? Amen. For we deserve death, but God who is rich in mercy has given us a new life. So he says, come alive. And everyone in the church, because this was meant to be read, this is kind of the same way I'm reading it to you. Everyone in the church would be saying, amen, amen. And, and then Paul would say, and among you live as children of the light. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And the people are saying, yes, preach on. Preacher, um, by the way, you're free to do that too, you know. I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, like if you, some encouragement. You know, everybody likes encouragement. You know, I wouldn't mind. And, and so he, he's preaching there. Uh, the, the, the word is being read. Paul sends this letter, but now it's being read. And they're, do, they're trying to do it like Paul would say. And they would say, but I'm among you, there must not be any, any, not even a hint of sexual immorality. And people were like, well, well. And then he says, and there must not be any greed. And people look over and say, amen. They look at each other and go, amen. Not be any greed. Uh, there's no place for foolish talk. And, 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 and amongst you, you should be deceived. And, and the people are looking at each other and the, and the energy is building. And he says this, right there for chapter 5, he says, so live as children of the light for the fruit of the light is goodness and righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Dramatic pause means you say, amen. right? The congregation was like, yes, amen. Please Lord. And he says, and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Amen. You feel it? You, you hear it? It's happening there, right? Expose them. People are like, amen. And it says, for, uh, uh, but everything expressed by light becomes visible. It is light that makes, and so forth. And he says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Amen. 
You see it? It's happening, right? And people are excited. Now, you're not very excited, but that's okay. You're not from Ephesus. I get it. And, and people are excited. And he's saying, uh, and, and don't, don't get drunk on wine. Don't lead to debauchery. But rather speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to the Father God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? You getting it? And at that moment, then he says, takes a deep breath, and he says, and now wives, submit to your husbands. And the congregation was like, uh, right? Doesn't seem a little out of place. Okay, uh, some of you are like, SMH, SMH. Um, we're like, oh, I, I was with you, Pastor. I, they were like, Paul, what? Because uh, he's building this beautiful congregational picture of how we are, you know, uh, living as children of the light and, 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 and no greed and, and no immorality. And then he says, now wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And, and the people probably there, I'm, I'm telling you, they're just like us. They'd be like, I don't know about that, except the men. Because they were like, well, preach on, preach on, preacher. No, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. It's right there. Wives, submit to your husbands. All the men usually say amen to that. They won't say it publicly anymore. It's underneath their breath. Wives, submit to your husbands. And at the first glance, it, it probably made them shudder because it seems out of place. Where do we, how do we get here, Paul? I thought we were talking about the goodness and grace and singing psalms and praises. And now you want us to submit? You want us to give up and give in? It makes no sense. Listen to this. For the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ is the head of the church. Now, doesn't that seem really out of place in today's culture? Because for most of us that are married, now some of y'all don't have the privilege, I get that. But for most of us that are married, we would never dare say this in public or out loud even. If, if we knew what was good for us. Right, guys? Because some of you are bold. Some of you are like, I'm the head. Okay, good luck to you. Good luck. God bless you. I will pray for you when you leave this place. At one point in our culture, in our time, it was a very strongly held idea that, in fact, the head would bring those that were not the head into submission in the way that I've described earlier. But I think it's a misunderstanding of what Paul is actually saying. Because how many of us guys want to be the head of the household? Well, we, we should. This sounds like privilege. Or the head of the wife. But if you look a little closer here, look at what this says. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to the husbands in everything. Dramatic pause, dramatic pause, dramatic pause. Okay, I dare you. Gents, look at your wives and say the word everything. Go ahead, look at them and say everything. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. I'm giving you permission. This is what you've always wanted. <laughs> Said, Pastor, maybe do it. Go ahead, look at him and say, honey, everything. Go ahead. I don't hear y'all. I don't hear y'all at all because you're like, mm. <laughs> uh, cat got my lump in my throat. <laughs> 
but it's in there. Now, I didn't put it on the screen because y'all were going to, you know, if you're going to capture this and put it on your, make sure you quote Ephesians, right? That passage didn't say it. Ephesians said it. Ephesians chapter 5, it's right there. Here's the funny part about that, though. If you look at what being the head means, it's not what you think it means. It's absolutely not what you think it means. In fact, uh, the Seventh-day Adventist commentary uh, defines it this way. You know what headship means, gents? Get ready. Headship means your ability and responsibility to care for your wife in the same way that Christ cared for the church. Ability and responsibility to care for her in the same way Christ cared for the church. Ladies, Amen. come on now. Come on now. You Praise Jesus. That's right. Praise Jesus. Because we've been thinking, when we think about submission in the head, we've been thinking one person overpowering another and bending their will to accomplish mine. But the definition of headship here, because most people missed it here, it says uh, submit to, uh, uh, to your husbands as, as, as the church submits to Christ. But, but now uh, the husband is the head, the same way that Christ is the head of the church, right? Christ is the head of the church. See, if we want to understand what submission means, it's not overpowering someone. It's actually giving in for someone. Not to someone, but for someone. Ladies, the Word of God says here to submit to your husbands and everything. But that word, and in your versions it might be subject even, is so uncomfortable in our current context, the way we understand it. Nobody likes to be defeated. But that's not what it's saying. Uh, the, the commentary defines a submission as, a, as expressing a willingness, a confidence, a faith, and a love for someone. You know why it's defined that way? Because it's defined here in the same way that the church submits to Christ, right? Now, if I say to you, we as a church should submit to Christ in everything, how would you respond to that? With an amen, wouldn't you? If I said, we as a church should submit to Christ in everything, you would say amen to that, I hope. Because we know that Christ sees who we are, knows what we need, and has our best interest in mind, right? Because Christ has, in the book of Mark, proven that he will go to any lengths and do everything necessary to recapture and reclaim us from any situation, for he sees and knows our true worth. He loves us more than life itself. Amen. That. That is what gives him the ability to be called the head of the church. Because look at the next phrase here, gents. Husbands. Now, before I get there, some of y'all are like, I'm not married. What does this have to do with me? I don't have a husband. I don't have a wife. But I, I want you to hang in there for a second because we're talking about submission, okay? So whether you're a man, woman, somewhere in between in terms of your relationships, married, not married, wherever you are, uh, just hang in there. We're talking about submission. Uh, but for the gents, for just a second, uh, husbands, those of you that are married here, we're just using the, the analogy he's using. He says, husbands, verse 25, ladies, you can follow along as you get ready to say your amen. Uh, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Up for her. That was your turn, ladies. You're like, mm, amen. I wish somebody would give himself up for me. No amens to that, ladies? 
See, the Bible tells us right there that, that, that Jesus' love is what predicates all of this relationship. The reason he is the person that we call the head of the, of, of the church, the head of the body, is because his love puts him in a position to bless us. He loved us so much. So, 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 then, so then Paul says, when he turns to the men, the congregation, the, the husband, he says, so then you ought to love your wives in that same way. And in what way is that? He gave himself up for us. You know, Paul writes more about a husband's love, and he says that, 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 that a husband's love encompasses these, at least these three things. Ladies, you ready to say amen? Uh, that he should, in whatever way possible, provide, provide for his wife. Amen? amen. Not necessarily financially, but in some ways provide. Number two, that it, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that in all ways he should assure her happiness. Come on, ladies, I'm giving you a chance here. And number three, in 1 Peter, Paul says that a husband should give his wife every honor possible. So to love your wife is to provide, to assure her happiness, and to give every honor possible. Look, look, look at what the Bible says. He says, look, <clears throat> love your wives the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water and through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated his own body. Body, but he feeds and takes care of it the same way that Christ takes care of the church, for we are members of his body. See, see, Paul is trying to say that love in this case is not something that demands, but love is something that gives. Love is something that doesn't bend the will of somebody, but restores the identity of somebody. I, I need you to listen to me. What Christ does in the book of Mark is he comes to this earth and he recaptures the essence of who we are. We represent the bride, the church. He gives his life in order to reinstate value into us. So husbands, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do everything in our power to recapture and restore and refresh a woman's identity and her beauty and her blessing and her value and her worth. The reason this is necessary and important, just listen to me guys, is because her whole life, her whole life, the world has been telling her that her only value is in how she looks. Her whole life, she is being devalued based on her appearance. That's why she constantly is anxious about her appearance and how she appears not just to you, but to the other women in her life. And your job is to reclaim her worth by giving her every honor so she knows that her value is not in the way she looks, but because God made her and he created her and she is unique and he is pleased with her. You see the difference? You see why it's so necessary? Submission in our culture means that I put my wants, needs, and preferences to the side for a second or maybe for a lifetime and instead I try to build value into your life. So to be the head of the wife means that it is my sole responsibility to provide 
this need of hers. It is my sole responsibility to assure this happiness of hers. It is my responsibility to give her every honor so she would recognize that she is indeed a daughter of God. This is what we are to do for each other. Ladies, when, when, when Paul says here, subject your husbands, he means that you would have a willingness, a confidence, a faith, and a love for him. That you would build into your shared relationship together by providing the respect and love that he needs. Look at this. For this reason, I'm just reading here. I'm just reading here. Chapter 5. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. That's not a political statement. It's a biblical one. This is how God defines marriages. It's right there. It's a quote from the Old Testament. And Paul says, this is a profound mystery. We can't comprehend it. But, but in the same way, I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. See, we all need love and respect. We all need a version of this. And God is inviting us to represent him in our households. So like I said, at first glance, we're thinking, I, I don't like this submission, Pastor. I don't like this idea. I don't like this concept. But I want to propose to you that it's not about husbands and wives. In fact, that's not really what this passage is about. If you look just before I got there, in verse 21, Paul makes the transition by saying, So then, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He makes the connection for everything that we've been talking about to this passage and the application of it by saying, Submit to one another. He uses the marriage as an analogy, as an I.E. example, not as the definer of submission, just an example of it. The idea of submission is universal. You know why? Because that is the way, in the way of Christ. He loved us so much that he submitted himself in order to bless us, rescue us, and deliver us. And he invites us to do the same, to give ourselves up for someone. Not to someone, but for someone. The Bible is profound in this ministry, in this, in this mystery. It's profound in this, in, in this concept that somehow the, the, the Christian life is meant to be lived out in this idea of submission. And, and honestly, it's, it's hard to take because it's so counterculture what we've been taught and raised with. Listen, I live in the same world that you do. I know that a lot of the time we spend our time trying to win battles in our homes. And, and some of us win by aggressive means. We yell, we shout, we, you know, we get mad, we get angry, we send uh, bad reviews, we get angry. And some of us uh, try to win in passive ways. Some of us try to win by our aloofness. We try to bend the will, bring others into submission. And I'm not talking about marriage here, I'm just talking about friendships, regular relationships. We try to bend the will of somebody, get our way by using aggressive or passive-aggressive means. You know anybody like that in your life? Who tries to get you to change by pretending there's nothing wrong? Nobody? Amen. You're like, ah, some, some, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You sure? Are we good? Yeah, we're good. We're good. 
It's fine. It's fine. I, I was mad before, but I'm not anymore. It's okay. Well, what happened? Oh, nothing. Nothing really. Uh, it's not a big deal. You shouldn't worry about it. Oh, really? Well, you know, if you care. I don't know. Whatever. Anybody? Anybody? Or the, I'm just not going to talk to you. Right? I'm not going to respond to your text or your email. Your phone call goes directly to voicemail. There's aggressive ways to bend the will and bring somebody in submission. Arm bars. <laughs> right? And then there's passive ways. I'm afraid to say, but it's the truth. In our culture, we have both of those rampant. We're very aggressive online, but in person, we're passive-aggressive. It looks like this. Happy Sabbath. Oh, you really shouldn't have. Oh, really? That's nice. This is cute. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was really nice. Oh, well, I, I, I hope things go well for you, too. Am I lying? Friends, we are masters in the art of submission in both of these ways. But it's not the kind that Jesus is inviting us to. Jesus is inviting us to a very different kind of life. One that doesn't give in to someone, but gives in for someone. For the sake of blessing. This concept of this idea of, of wives submitting to husbands and husbands loving their wives, of love and respect, has nothing to do with which sex is more important than the other. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with every one of us choosing to live a life in the model that Jesus lived it. And what did he do? All of Mark says he came to suffer and, and do whatever it takes in order to reclaim your worth and your value because he loved you that much for God. So loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him might be saved. Greater man has no love than this, Jesus' words, than he give his life for his friends. See? So I'm going to give you some encouragement here. I want to empower you today. I believe this concept right here of love and respect is something that is very necessary and, and very useful. And I want to give you some tips. You ready for that? I want to give you some tips. Something to try this week as you leave. Hopefully you're thinking about it and you're wondering, am I aggressive or passive aggressive trying to get my way? And if you are, maybe today's the day you can change and reclaim a new life in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you some ways. Look, everybody needs love and respect. And it just looks different, a little bit differently. Between husbands and wives, listen, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, but I, I, I love the, um, the concept of the five love languages. Anybody? Five love languages. Um, uh, where we've discovered that People understand and interpret love and respect, by that matter, uh, in, in different ways. So, so husbands, listen, the Bible says you must love your wives. I'm going to give you a, a few tips on how to do that. You ready? Gents, you should take notes. You're like, I got this right here. And I'm like, no, you don't. Okay. Number one, one of the most significant ways you can show love to your wife is doing acts of service. One of the love languages. What is an act of service? Is when you know that... There's something you can physically do to help lighten her load, and you just do it. Maybe you fill the gas up in her car. Maybe you actually take out the trash with her having to hint about it. Right? When she's like, oh, this trash smells bad. 
And then you go and just push it down. <laughs> I know you. If you don't know what, listen, I'm going to give you some gold right here, gents. I'm going to give you some gold. Next day, tomorrow. Or maybe wait a few days if, if you're not comfortable. Wait until she's not expecting it. And just before you leave the house, turn to your spouse and say, Honey, is there anything I can do for you today? Gents, repeat after me. Is there anything I can do for you today? Go ahead. Is there anything I can do for you today? I know some of you are choking on your words as you're saying that. You're like, <laughs> It's simple. A simple act of service. You don't have to change the world, but a simple act of service will communicate that you actually are providing, assuring happiness, yes, giving her every honor. Simple act of service. And if you know there's something to do, just, just Nike it. Just do it. Just do it. I'm going to give you another one. Words of affirmation. Listen, simple words of affirmation. I love language. Another way your, your spouse will feel loved, if you just say... Thank you. That was really good. Say to her, you know, honey, you're a great friend. Or, or, or you're a fantastic doctor. Or you're a great mom. A few simple words will give her honor that she needs to hear. But it goes both ways, ladies. Because the gents in your life need the respect. And the greatest respect they're looking for is yours. Unfortunately, in our culture, we've taught and trained women that the only way we get guys to do what we want them to do is to berate them and belittle them. You never do this. You never, you never fill up the car with it. You never buy me roses. You, well, he's not going to now, obviously. I always have to. You never, you never. And you get after, you get after, and he's just, what's he going to do? I'm going to work. Uh, something in the garage i got to do. If you want to submit, you do it through respect. Amen. You say, you say, I'm proud of you. Hey, you know what? You, uh, the thing you fixed in the backyard, you did a great job. I'm really proud of you. You're great with your hands. Come on, gents. Who doesn't want to hear that, right? Ladies, go ahead. Repeat after me. Look to your man and say, I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> You're choking on it too. You see how hard submission is? You see how hard it is? But imagine what would happen if in our households, and, and then by extension in our communities, if this is how we lived, if we were bringing love, honor, and respect into every relationship that we had. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what could happen if we chose more love languages to give gifts. They don't have to be big or to spend quality time with each other. Listen, 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 ladies. Sometimes your man just wants you to sit with him while he's watching the game. Just sit. You don't have to understand it. Just need your company. And gents, gents, sometimes she needs you to go with her. You don't have to shop. Just hold the bag. It's not that difficult. Just go with her. Quality time. Love and respect. Small, simple ways. I'm giving you something to try. You're looking at me weird, but trust me, you put it in play and you will see a marked difference because we were created to understand value in each other the way that Jesus does it with us. And he gives us gifts and spends quality times for us. And there are no greater words of affirmation than God saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I am pleased with you. You see it? That's the example of Jesus Christ. And this doesn't just apply for husbands and wives. Listen, your friends, your relationships, for those of you 
that are like, I'm not married. Listen, think about it. Do you have acts of service to do for your friends? Turn to your friend, your roommate, your classmate. If you, you see somebody struggling, say, hey, can I do something for you today? Hey, is there something I can do for you today? Uh, look to your friends, your acquaintances, your co-workers, and tell them, man, you're a great listener. You did a fantastic job uh, running the front of the store today. Simple words of affirmation bring love and respect to every relationship. Bring a small gift. Hey, I thought you might like this cup of coffee. Change your day. It'll change your relationship. Spend quality time. Say to a friend of yours, hey, we haven't seen each other. Let's go do lunch. It'll, it'll infuse life and mercy into your relationships. And there is, of course, physical touch because everybody needs a hug sometime. Everybody needs a hug sometime. So I'm challenging you as the worship team comes back to the stage as we get ready to close our service. God is inviting us through the writings of Paul to live a life that's into submission. No, we're not bending the will. I'm not the head of the house so I can get you to do what I want. That's not what it's about. I'm not going to do this for you if you do that for me. It's not about contracts or obligations. It's about seeing the true worth of somebody because God says they are worthy. It's about seeing the, 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 the true beauty and, and honor and respect that people deserve because God sees them that way. It's about understanding that Jesus lived this life here already for us. And he left a pathway for us to follow so that we can help reclaim honor and love and respect in the world right around us. And this is desperately needed in our culture. This is desperately needed in the year 2018. When people are trying to tear each other down, when, when, when everyone's opposing sides, God has sent us as ambassadors of mercy. And we bring in light and love and honor and respect where everyone else criticizes and devalues and demeans and abuses and uses. We reclaim. We save. One kind word at a time. One act of service at a time. That's what being into submission really means. I challenge myself as I challenge you to follow the example of Jesus Christ all the way into submission. Let's stand and sing as we close.